I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. More than 100 NFL players on the COVID list. NFL Justin testing protocols. Three games moved to after the weekend. There's still a lot of confusion. And fantasy managers, yes, fantasy managers, like us, like you all, are left to sort it all out. And that's why we're here. We are in the mood for fantasy football. We are Pro Football Network. I'm your host, BJ Riddell, PFN's fantasy football director. With me, as always, PFN fantasy analyst Tommy Garrett and Jason Katz, better known as Katz. This is going to be a different kind of show, uh, given everything that's been happening in the last 24, 48, 72 hours. Uh, this is the kind of thing that uh, a lot of us thought might happen last season. Uh, there was a sense that uh, uh, COVID was going to wreak havoc on the NFL, just as it had on other sports. Um, instead, the NFL was able to push through. Uh, now they're facing uh, their toughest uh, uh, battle in terms of trying to get the games played and trying to make sure players are safe and trying to make sure that also as a business, they can continue to thrive. Uh, we're going to talk today about what this all means. And because we are a fantasy podcast, it will be from a fantasy perspective. And as fans of the NFL, we might slide a little bit into talking about it as fans of the NFL. Uh, Tommy, why don't you start us off? Uh, can you can you share kind of what your thoughts are just in general about what's happening? You've been following football for a long time. What What comes to you? It's this is arguably probably the most chaotic time I can remember in the NFL. Um, and it's also probably the most unprecedented. We thought last year, you know, we were kind of getting into something, but I feel like we believe we had kind of like, you know, we're getting things under control for the most part. And, you know, all of a sudden we have this massive influx of these positive cases to the new variant and it's completely shaken up the NFL landscape. You have the NFL now in our longest, in the longest year ever trying to now jump onto Christmas day, which is typically been the NBA's playground. But now the NFL wants a piece of that pie. And all of a sudden, one of these games that you were hoping to have on Christmas Day between the Browns and the Packers, now the Browns are sitting here in the midst of a massive COVID spread, and their name, their game is now being moved to Monday, and it's, it's just turning into this giant mess. And it's, I made the comment earlier about, you know, I was, I missed a little bit of time because like my my internet went out, but like, and I felt like that thirty minutes, I missed roughly like two days worth of content because the minute you put your phone down, it's another update, and you feel like as of right now, like you're just waiting, and every time you get a notification something's gone wrong. Something else is getting moved. A player just got placed on the COVID list. Like it's, it seems like right now it would be very easy to be overwhelmed given what's going on. It's, and I could easily see where some people are like, okay, I've got to just step away until all the dust settles. And I wish I had an answer when that dust was going to settle. I feel like it's probably going to be more likely in 2022. Um, and we're going to be dealing with this, but 
We'll see what happens with these new protocols because that's changing when guys can come in and come back. So I feel we're going to start seeing just so much more volatility. We've got these guys all of a sudden go out and then they have a chance now to come back when they might not have, might not have before. So it's, it's hard to count anything out right now, player or team, until kickoff happens. I feel like we have no idea what is actually going to take place on a, on a, a hourly basis at this point. That's right. And Kat, before thing. we get to you, just real quick, Moody Massacre 18, I just want to jump in. He's uh, he's saying my lineup is in shambles this week. I don't think this has ever happened before from a fantasy perspective. Uh, Katz, I'm not asking you to respond to that directly. Share your, what's on your mind. But also, you know, there's obviously a lot of people watching and listening who are, who are thinking, like, what do I do here? Um, so uh, go look, ahead. This, this has certainly... Moody Masker is 100% right. This is completely unprecedented. I do not think it is hyperbole by any stretch to say this is the most chaotic and unprecedented week in the history of probably the NFL and fantasy football. We have never seen anything like this. We have now four games, including the already scheduled Monday night game, being played after Sunday, all of which there are many fantasy-relevant players that are on the COVID list, could potentially test positive for COVID, and possibly could return. And with... All the moving parts right now, and it's not just the players that are testing positive. It's also the NFL's COVID protocols. It's the scheduling. There's so many different things that are in flux right now. We have no idea what the landscape might look like tomorrow, let alone next week. To Tommy's point, he mentioned about being able to step away and whatnot. I'm actually going to see the new Spider-Man movie after this podcast uh, in about two and a half hours. And I have not been this excited for a movie in a long time. But with that being said... I actually have a bit of anxiety now because for three hours, I'm going to be completely off the grid. I'm not going to honestly enjoy it. We need to. That's no, no, I'm being serious. Like at a certain point, you need to step away and just relax and just try to push everything else that's going on. Like this is your escape right now because we have we have games for eight of the next 10 days. There is no stopping point right now. So take those three hours and that goes for anyone listening like. Take some time for yourself. Step away. Put the phone down and just try to take a breath because it's really hard to do right now for a lot of people. Yeah. And the nice Even thing as- is at, at Pro Football Network, when Cats goes to a movie, the rest of us are still working. So we've got you covered around the clock, wherever you are in the world. There is someone because we've got people on various continents at PFN tracking information, reporting on information about the NFL, about fantasy you are going to get the latest information when you need it. So, cats, you can watch a double feature if they still have those things. I haven't been to a movie theater in a while. That's, that's too much. I, I mean, but maybe yeah. when you're a kid, you, you go movie hopping, you see one and then another. But when you're when you're as old as I am, <laughs> you can't do you can't do anything like that anymore. I mean, I, I'm, and now I'm all I have is the Rocky Horror theme song where it goes science fiction double feature. I now have that playing in my head. Cool. <laughs> well, if you need to take a break, then Tommy, to get that out of your head, uh, you can no, do I'm that cool with any time. Okay, good. Uh, uh, we've got about 38 minutes left. So if, if either of you, Katz or Tommy, need to take a break, uh, you can, but I'm glad you're here. What, so we've got Cleveland and, and the Raiders shifting uh, to uh, Monday. And from my end, I've got Nick Chubb. And yeah. I'm thinking, oh, no, anyone out there who has Nick Chubb, I was thinking I've got a guy playing Saturday against the Raiders. I know Kareem Hunt's going to be out. Uh, uh, I know I'm going to get 30 probably touches from Chubb. Do you see anything shifting in that? Is there enough time, do you think, for some of these guys to get off the COVID list, guys like Landry, Hooper, et cetera, uh, even a Mayfield or a Keenum instead of Nick Mullins being quarterback and really reshape what this offense can do on Monday? I don't want to jump the gun into, into another game, but we already saw Odell Beckham tweet out 
uh, negative with a smiley face emoji, which implies that he is tested negative and we and I would now expect him to be removed from the COVID list tomorrow and end up playing on Tuesday. The same thing could happen for guys on the Browns, especially ones that tested positive earlier in the week, like Jarvis Landry. He'd be the he, Jarvis Landry and Austin Hooper are probably the two most likely fantasy relevant guys to get cleared. Baker Mayfield, Case Keenum, slightly less likely because it was later in the week, but still possible. One thing that I typically caution fantasy managers is avoid Thursday games at all costs. When in doubt, avoid players on Thursday. This week, I was sending a completely opposite message saying, if you got guys on Thursday, like you got big Mike Williams, put him in your lineup. I know he didn't do that great, but you know what? You knew with 100% certainty he was playing football. And we don't know any of that beyond once those games kick off. So having uh, those Saturday guys, like you said with Nick Chubb, I, I, you almost wish he was playing Saturday because you knew you'd have his points. Now you never know. Kareem Hunt just tested positive a couple hours ago. Mm-hmm. So maybe Chubb's going to test positive. We don't know. And we just hope that our guys end up playing. And that's the that's a delicate balance I feel like fans and managers have to play. It's, it's balancing the upside of a player versus the certainty of guaranteed points. Because while it's great that we can get some of these guys back, you're also adding on the the further risk of some of these guys also being moved off the list. Like you're talking about like a, a, a possibility of a Nick Chubb who would be, you know, he's a must start. Obviously it's Nick freaking Chubb. Like we play him every single week. Um, but right now, like there are no guarantees. It's like, like you just saw about last night with Thursday Night Football. Take the guaranteed points if you have a chance. Like if you have a deciding factor between like player A and player B, a lot of times I'm probably going to be looking if it's not the matchup, but who plays first? Like if I, do I feel good about their situation? Does their team have a, an outbreak going on? And it's, I think it's going to be a difficult balance to have to play. And it's like, you're talking about with the Browns, like there's a chance some of these guys come back, but there's also the added chance. Some of these guys don't. And it's like I said, what do you do as a manager? It's tough. So uh, before we get back to the big picture issues, let's just zoom in on Saturday because uh, there is one Saturday game still on the docket. It's an interesting one, the Colts and Patriots. Last time these two played, it was uh, Andrew Luck against Tom Brady. They had, I think, seven combined uh, touchdowns and uh, something like 700-plus passing yards. Uh, we wouldn't see that with a uh, uh, with these two defenses and Wentz against Mac Jones, but there's still some interesting fantasy pressure points. Like Nyheim Hines you know, could be uh, an interesting one. Brandon Bolden, for desperation people with Damian Harris out, could be an interesting eight to 10 point guy. Maybe with maybe get a touchdown. There's a few guys in there who could be these pressure points of, ah, do I just pick up and start them because I know they're going to play? Or do I hold out hope that Sonny Michelle is going to rock and roll on Tuesday um, and that Daryl Henderson won't be back? What are your thoughts getting inside fantasy managers heads of what kind of pressures they're feeling and do they just jump in and try to load up, not overload, but load up on, on these 10 point guys they think they can get on Saturday rather than risk it. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I think when it comes to the Patriots players, it's a bit more difficult because they don't really have those super fantasy like relevant guys. Obviously, at this point, Ramondre Stevenson is going to be the lead back. I know he had 24 carries against the Bills two weeks ago, but we can't really go based off that when they ran the ball about 60 times. But in general, we've seen him without Damian Harris, and that was that game against the Browns where he had 20 carries for 100 yards and caught uh, four passes for 14 yards. We know Stevenson has that RB1 potential upside, and I believe he is a must-start with Harris out. For someone like Bolden or someone like Kendrick Bourne, it's trickier because those guys are they're solid filling guys. They're guys that can get you six to eight points maybe, have a decent floor, but you most likely have guys with higher upside. When it comes to Saturday, guys, I'm probably more willing to roll the dice on a Sunday player because if something went wrong, at least there are a lot of options to replace him with on Sunday. When it comes to Sunday guys going into Monday, that's trickier because if something happens with those Monday guys, your options are limited. I think part of it too is you have to balance it's okay, the quality of player you're talking about. Um, when you're talking like a, a Ramondre Stevenson, I think I, I'm with you. I believe he would be like, you know, he's a, a must start this week with Damian Harris out due to the uh, his hamstring injury. It's when it comes to someone like Kendrick Bourne, it's eh, I don't know if I want to necessarily like tie myself to those points when you might have a better option with someone else because you know he's kind of seen him take a little bit of downside. Granted, let's let's throw out the obviously last week's game. The Patriots threw the ball three times. No wonder he finishes outside the top 100. But he's had some decent stretches. Wide receiver uh, seven, uh, 55, but then he hits the wide receiver 5. Then he goes 42. Then he hits wide receiver 3. Um, so you've got some an interesting case with him. You've got this kind of boom-bust mentality going on right now. But it's if he's going to get peppered by targets, I can make a case for trying to play him in a, against a uh, New England, uh, Indianapolis Colts team where he might be able to give you some decent flex play. But you're also oh, yes. limited on what your possibilities are come Sunday. Let me ask you this. If you had to choose between starting Kendrick Bourne Saturday yep. night or rolling the dice on a Jarvis Landry or a Tyler Lockett, what would you do? Oh, God, that sucks. Um, I think I would honestly go with Kendrick Bourne. Give me the guaranteed points. Because I, at least on those, I'm not waiting on someone to be taken off the list. At least if I was deciding between two players who are at least no longer right now on the COVID-19 list, then I can make a case. But if I have a player A versus player B who I'm just hoping comes back, I'll take the points in Kendrick Bourne. I'd probably wait. Um, if Rashad Higgins is available, which he should be in most leagues, uh, if Donovan Peoples-Jones is available in a bunch of leagues, um, you could go deep Freddie Swain. If Metcalf and Lockett are out, uh, you could see uh, Freddie Swain be uh, a, a big contributor, an eight-target kind of guy uh, for Seattle. So I, I had Bourne in those two big games. I picked him up, uh, uh, and then I dropped him. Uh, after the second big game, I didn't see long-term value. I saw a guy who was streaky, which is what he is. Yes. Uh, I liked the matchups where I played him. Uh, and a guy like Bourne, what worries me, and just in general with these guys, is that when if you're looking at five targets, you know, and I know one of those games he threw for a touchdown. You can't, you know, you can't play for a receiver throwing a touchdown. That's very situational. Um, it just gets to the point of ah, if you're watching the game, you're following the game and you see that he's got two catches for 20 yards, and you're thinking there's not much more he's going to get if this is a typical game, 
that can be a scary feeling on a Saturday when you start to feel that regret of what you could have waited for. So I would rather the, wait. The caveat I would say is like, what does your waiver wire situation look like? Because after that game, we have three more games, which is a rarity. Uh, we have the Minnesota versus Chicago. Then you have Seattle versus the Rams. And then you have Washington versus the Eagles. Are there possibilities? Like, let's say you hold off on Kendrick Bourne and you have Tyrell Lockett or Jarvis Landry have one of these later games. Once you get through the Jarvis Landry game, if he does not play, you still have three other options for game of players to choose from. So that's another route you could go. If these, some of these guys are floating around on your waiver wire, or if you have space to pick one of them up as a contingency plan that would have a later game than Landry, that buys you a little time to let the situation play out rather than stuck get stuck in with Kendrick Bourne if there were no other options. Uh, Tommy, you mentioned uh, earlier, right now there aren't any guarantees uh, mm -hmm. regarding uh, COVID, which, which should probably be the name of our podcast uh, for the rest of the season. Uh, because that's pretty much where we are. We There are no guarantees. We don't know what's going to happen. And I want to go a little bit meta here on fantasy football and talk about, because I, I manage a league that's uh, 108 people across eight different divisions. And I know there's going to be some chaos. If there's a game that's canceled or postponed, and we're not sure, let's say they play it Wednesday night, but there's waivers that kick off Wednesday morning. Now you start to create some complexity and players are picking up guys for that game. Uh, and people are saying that's not fair. It should have been for the previous week and all of that stuff. You all, I imagine you've either been a commissioner or you've been a very obviously active in your leagues. What should fantasy managers and especially commissioners and others be thinking about in terms of contingencies? Are there any rules that need to be discussed to try to figure out how to navigate this new world with COVID impacting NFL games? A big part of it is you want to make sure you have, uh, if you didn't have them activated, make sure you have your COVID ineligible spots reactivated. They essentially act as like an IR or taxi squad spots while we used last year when we had a bunch of guys going on. So that's one thing I would make sure to do. Um, the, the the difficult thing is most sites should, so long as that game is played in that week, they won't move that week until, they won't end that fantasy week until the week forward. So I don't think you would even be able to put in and claim waiver wires um, until that final game is played, I would assume so. Obviously, like, look, we're all talking hypotheticals. This has ne literally never happened before. Um, Why? Yeah, last season, when this happened, it was on Wednesday. They moved. Um, they moved waivers processing to Thursday morning. To Thursday morning, yeah, and that's what they should do. So, all of you concerned, thanks for that reminder, cats, because I couldn't remember what they did then, and that's uh, uh, that makes things easier. I'll be honest; I completely forgot we played a Wednesday game. Yeah, the, it was. Uh, it's funny because for for years I was pushing on Twitter. Uh, I still do once a year uh, Wednesday night football, um, where uh, intradivisional games happen on Thursdays. You get the AFC East all playing each other in back to back Thursday games, and then they get a bye week, so they don't have to play on a short week the previous week. It's complicated, but it works out. And so uh, I like my college football and my action throughout the weeknights. Yeah, okay. action. I like that. <laughs> yeah, great. Um, uh, so. Uh, looking ahead now to, um, again, just big picture. We look ahead to week 17, week 18. Uh, there's a strong understanding. Anyone who's been following the current news understands beyond football. You know, there's an Omicron variant um, that is uh, uh, less um, uh, severe in terms of the impact it has on people who were vaccinated. Um, but it is far more pervasive. It is more easily transmissible. Um, and there have been some, it's, it's still in the early stages. So uh, they've seen hospital rates go up. 
they've seen uh, it basically increase in the number of people impacted. It just seems that the impact is not as severe across the board. So the question then becomes, is there any concern, uh, and especially there was a, a representative from the uh, Center for Disease Controls just today who said um, there's going to be a virus blizzard that hits in the next three to eight weeks in, in, uh, in the world and, and specifically also in the United States. Um, what, is there a sense that, that the NFL, and this is more of an NFL conversation now, that there might be some entire shifting that needs to happen? Going back to what Tommy said, right now, there aren't any guarantees. But if we have a sense, based on what scientists are saying, that this will get worse before it gets better, um, uh, is it possible that we could see this whole regular season continue to be pushed forward? Or do we see a scenario where the NFL says, we're not going to play all 18 weeks? We're going to cut it, and we're going to keep the playoff schedule on target. I can't imagine the NFL opting to cut games. The optics of it of uh, the monetary investment that it also brings all the scheduling everything like i feel like the nfl has too much pride especially out of roger goodell to sit here and say we can't contain this and we can't figure this out um that's why I'm, that's when they're changing out protocols especially what we're hearing about daily player testing for covid i mean for vaccinated players who are asymptomatic and no longer requiring tests which is a possibility is being thrown around like the nfl would be setting a precedent for the other major sporting groups to then try to follow so okay they, someone else has already made this rule. Could this be implemented by someone else? I understand every commissioner is going to act independently. You know, Adam Silver is going to do his own thing. So all these other ones. Um, but does the NFL want to be the trendsetter? I don't know if they want to put themselves to be that so they could end up being potentially wrong on something. To me, it seems like they would want to protect the shield and the image of the NFL more than make a drastic change like canceling some games. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Last season, the NFL made it through an entire season, and there there weren't as many COVID issues as there are this season. And we didn't have vaccines last year, and they still made it through. So the NFL knows how to do this if they need to. And I do think that if push came to shove and they were forced to even cancel a, a week, that'd be the most they'd ever do is push things back a week, implement the 2020 protocols all over again, and then just power forward. Even if it had to be with empty stadiums, the NFL is going to find a way to finish this season. Very good. And uh, before we move on, I want to correct myself. Uh, the person who said that we're going to experience a viral blizzard, Michael, uh, Michael Osterholm, director of the Center for Infectious Disease Research and Policy at the University of Minnesota. He said that on CNN earlier. Um, uh, shifting now a little bit to um, uh, some of the uh, big players that, again, these kind of um, uh, pressure points. Uh, and if any, if either of you want to keep talking, uh, in terms of the, uh, COVID related ramifications, let's keep talking about it. But I also want to get to a few players. Well, before we get there, before we get there, Moody Mass Moody Massacre asked how my fantasy leagues had to adjust their systems, especially with playoffs. And I could speak to that because a couple of my leagues have implemented, um, what last year, four of my main leagues did not, we went on hiatus for the season, but some of the ones that did did uh, did play 
we had a COVID contingency plan, which was in, in effect for any game that was moved beyond Sunday. And the way it works is you, you can designate a contingency player to put in your lineup in the event your starter doesn't play. As an example, if you have Cooper Cup, as I do on a team, I would say, okay, I have Cooper Cup playing on Tuesday now. If Cup doesn't play, then I'm going to retroactively start Gabriel Davis, as an example, which would mean if Cup played, no matter what Gabriel Davis does, he could go off for 10 for 160 and 2, and it wouldn't matter. I would still have Cup in my lineup as long as he played. But if Cup didn't play because the game got canceled or he got COVID or something like that, then Davis would be inserted into my lineup by the commissioner. And, I, and I've seen a lot of people on Twitter, a lot of the most notable fantasy analysts in the industry talking about contingencies like this in order to try and maintain the competitive integrity of your playoff matchups. Hmm. Tommy, how do you feel about that? I've, I have mixed feelings, but uh, I'd like to hear your thoughts too. Um, I don't hate the idea. Um, so long as it is, you know, okay, look, this player, no matter what happens, if this guy here, here plays and I might've had Travis Kelsey last night, but I, for some reason I would rather have played, um, like Pat Fryermuth. Like no matter what happened, Pat Fryermuth would be in there playing so long as he plays. I can I can get behind that. Like, I can understand that. Like you've got to get creative this time of year. Um, there's a little bit of like part of me that goes, okay, look, you have to make a decision as a manager, and you just got to go with your gut and stick to it. So I can mm -hmm. kind of see both sides of wanting to make sure you set a lineup and not getting screwed over by the by the pandemic and everything that's going on. But there's also the side of me that goes that's part of the nature of playing fantasy football is sometimes things are just simply out of your control. And it sucks to be on either side of the fence. If you were to take a loss or a win, no matter what you're just, you want whatever your league did. Yeah. On the one hand, I completely get that uh, you have to make decisions and typically game time, as much as we don't want it to game start time matters. When you have players playing at one o'clock on a Sunday, it's a lot easier to deal with questionable players. And if they're playing at four or a Sunday night football or Monday night at the same time, this is the playoffs. There are three weeks left and commissioners understandably don't want the, the champion of their leagues determined uh, or impacted by a game being rescheduled due to a virus that nobody has any control over. So, so I completely agree with you. I see both sides of it. I think that whatever your league decides to do is what it is, and you need to play within the confines of that. But to answer Moody Masters' question, that is one uh, option in terms of how many leagues are approaching it. And I'll, I'll uh, take this in a slightly different direction and say it's very important for league integrity that any changes to a system – uh, this is my opinion. This is none, none of this is objective truth. My opinion is that it needs to be done unanimously. Uh, my policy and the way I set up my leagues is that the rules are the rules at the start of the season. There are no extenuating circumstances. If someone accidentally, you know, meant to insert someone into their lineup and it's 1.10 p.m. and they forgot and they email me at 1.10 to say they forgot, that's tough. It's not fair. If we get if we let them do it, then anyone can do it. So it's really important that any changes made to a system, because I've seen leagues crumble over less. Uh, you, for the league integrity, there has to be a sense that everyone is getting a fair shake if there's a rule change, not whether everyone's getting a fair shake by not changing the rule. If, if, people, if some people don't get a fair shake because you don't change the rule, that's just the nature of playing fantasy football. But if by changing the rule, you now change who has a, an edge and who doesn't, that is unfair. And I will not... Stand by and let that happen under my watch. Anyway, uh, uh, Ace Saucy, uh, which is uh, uh, just a great name. I have no complaints about that name. Is asking whether uh, Devontae Freeman or Aaron Jones should be started this week. And I'm going to start this off and say I've got Devontae Freeman and I've got A.J. Dillon. And uh, so I feel like I can 
almost answer that question uh, exactly the way Ace Saucy is seeing it, unless Ace Saucy has a, a lofty opinion of Aaron Jones over AJ Dillon. And if you do, Ace, we can talk after the show. But uh, if these two are somewhat interchangeable, if we don't know who's going to do better between Dylan and Jones, right now my attitude is if Jones sits, I'm starting Dylan. But if Jones plays, I'm starting Freeman. So to answer your question, Ace Saucy, from where I'm sitting, I would rather start Freeman over Aaron Jones. I am with BJ, regardless of Jones' status. Uh, again, since this is a live show, we're getting live news. The Packers released their uh, final Friday practice report, and Aaron Jones is not – he carries no injury designation into Sunday. So he's going to play. And I don't care. I'm starting Devonta Freeman. At, at, at this point, as far as I'm concerned, he has been the more reliable running back compared to Aaron Jones. Over his past uh, three games, Aaron Jones' carry count has been 5, 10, and 7. He has totaled over that span. This is a total 83 yards over his past three games combined. He has failed to reach a 50 percent snap share in any of those games. Now, last week he had a monster game. Why? He scored twice. That's it. Aaron Jones is incredibly touchdown dependent right now, and I believe AJ Dillon is now the one A in that backfield. Devonta Freeman's fantasy point totals over his past four games: 12.2, 20.7, 720. He's given you. Two RB one, RB one weeks, an RB two week, and then a a high RB four week. That has been more usable than Aaron Jones has been over that span. I would start Devonta Freeman. I can't argue with the stats. I can't. My gut feeling though tells me to start Aaron Jones over top of him. It's just that gut feeling of seeing where the Baltimore Ravens are, knowing what Aaron Jones can do when he gets hot, and knowing that at any time. I, I think the big part of I, I'll, I'll throw this guy down too is it does also rely on what happens with Lamar Jackson and everything going on there. How does that the uh, the Baltimore backfield and all that kind of shape out? Because once you kind of change that, Taylor Huntley was still okay. I'm sorry, Tyler Huntley was still like seventy percent Lamar Jackson, which is more mobile than most quarterbacks. So I think it's going to cut into it a little bit, um, but not as much obviously as what well. Lamar Jackson will be back there starting. I just feel like for me, it's I would rather trust the better offense, and I feel like the better offense is going to be the Green Bay Packers. I know who the quarterback's going to be. They have their wide receivers. They're pretty. They're healthy for the most part. So for me, with Aaron Jones not having an injury designation, I would actually probably take the running back on the better offensive situation. That For me, that'd be Aaron Jones. Very cool. I'm going to add one more thing to this to make it even more confusing for you, Ace. Um, uh, keep in mind the Ravens' run defense is uh, arguably the best in the league. Uh, that doesn't mean that Jones cannot uh, get by. He's obviously utilized in the passing game. So we could see him get 10 fantasy points pretty easily just through the passing game. Uh, but keep that in mind. And one more thing, I did a study uh, about a year ago on home team advantages uh, in terms of points and yards. This is not based on position. This is just based on overall team points and team yards. And every year since uh, 2003, the home team uh, scores more points on average than the road team, not surprising. And then the uh, in terms of yards, with the exception of 2020, and I think some of that comes down to uh, uh, the impact of COVID and the fact that you had fewer people in the stands for a lot of those games, so the home field advantage was not as rock solid. In every year except 2020, pretty dramatic uh, a difference in terms of home team yards versus road team yards. So if we are to assume, and I did a study about 10 years ago about uh, uh, elite players at each position that they tended to play better at home than on the road across a whole season. If we take all those factors, when you're looking at a tie breaker kind of issue, 
Uh, I'm looking at those types of stats and I'm taking the home team running back in a split backfield where actually Freeman is the lead back versus a road team running back in a true split backfield against a brutally tough run defense. Um, I, uh, let's jump into uh, uh, another player. A lot of people are talking about Zeke Elliott. Uh, Tony Pollard could be back. Uh, is Zeke Elliott uh, sittable Pats or Tommy from your standpoint, or is, or do you just start him because he's Zeke Elliott and you just trust that it'll work out? I think you start him because he's Ezekiel Elliott and you trust that it'll work out. And again, I, I've, I feel like I'm just broken record with this Tony Pollard torn plantar fascia thing, but I still don't understand how he's going to play professional football at a high level with this ligament torn in his foot. I don't get it. He, he got in limited practices on Thursday and Friday this week. He is he's listed as questionable. The, the sense of optimism is far greater than it was at this point last week. But again, I, I don't see it. We should have an answer tomorrow, fortunately. If the Cowboys activate Jaquan Hardy from the practice squad again, then we can we can presume that Pollard won't play. If they don't and Pollard plays, we still don't know how effective will he be. Can he be that same explosive player we saw him who was looked better than Ezekiel Elliott for the better part of two years? Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, for me, if, if, if Tony Pollard isn't like at 100%, like I don't see much reason to sit out there and throw him out there. You don't want a 60% running back in a critical game because um, this is it's a divisional game right now going against Giants. And for a fantasy aspect of it, I feel like you have to start Ezekiel Elliott. He's no longer like that top-end RB1. He's not that top five guy people thought they thought they were drafting. He's much closer in that mid-RB2 range right now. But in the matchup, going up against a team that allows the 26 most fantasy points to opposing running backs at just over 26 points a game, it's hard for me to sit here and give a, uh, an answer and say not to start Ezekiel Elliott when you have a chance to do it. There's another pressure point backfield, the Rams. Uh, obviously, people are going to have to wait uh, till yep. the end. I think this could be one of those, um, uh, you know, weak winners types of situations where people could win or lose based on what happens between Durrell Henderson and Sonny Michelle. What are your thoughts? If someone has Henderson or someone has Michelle, um, are you, are, if they're both playing, uh, do you feel like they can both produce in this game? Or are you very concerned about Henderson in general coming back? I think Henderson, I think he has a really good chance to clear the COVID protocol now. Since he tested positive, I think I believe it was last Friday. It was last Friday. He's actually been on it for a little while. Yeah, and, and we discussed in the previous podcast that typically it's that seven to ten day range under the old protocols, where, where a vaccinated player is able to make it back onto the team. And we're at seven days today. They play on Tuesday. It seems likely uh, that he will clear, in which case he'll be active. But given Sony Michelle's success over the past two weeks, I would be very surprised if Henderson went back to this every down to his every down role. Fantasy managers would probably be better off if just one of them played. I still think Henderson would be the 1A. And, and the Seahawks allow the second most fantasy points to running back. So this is a great matchup. If I had both and I couldn't start both, I would probably still lean Henderson. But I don't think he is as locked in as he was previously due to Michelle's uh, uh, quality play over the past two weeks. Yeah, I mean, just talk about his play over the past couple of weeks, you know, 44 rushing yards, almost 200. Um, I'm sorry, almost, yeah, almost 200 yards. Russian throws tennis. another touchdown in there. I mean, it's it's been fantastic for Sonny Michelle and what he's done on the ground. Um, I think preferably we would actually like to see him kind of have this backfield all to himself. Um, but like if he comes, if Darrell Henderson comes back 
It's do they go ahead and keep using Michelle in a more in a higher usage role than what he had been seeing previously in the season? I could see that. Like I said, I would probably see Darrell Henderson as the number one in the backfield, but it would be a closer one A one B situation. Both would probably be startable this week, um, but I think the player that would have the highest upside in all situations would probably be Sonny Michelle, so long as Darrell Henderson would sit. Yeah, and uh, I'll say too, I I uh, I'm very concerned about starting Henderson in his first game back if he comes mm-hmm. back. Um, yeah. I think that they'll ease him back in. I don't think this is going to be a uh, come back and take 16 touches. Um, and this is a guy who's had a, a pretty uh, brief and uh, and notable injury history in the NFL, and I don't think they're going to overwork him in his first game back. The thing with Darrell Henderson is that he's going to get the passing volume because we know Sonny Michelle that's not in his repertoire. So like at that point, we're going to at least get some more useful touches out of Darrell Henderson, which could also help his value. Uh, and send in, this is a, a Q&A period. We're down to the last nine minutes. Uh, if you have any questions uh, and you're listening or watching this live, please uh, feel free to ask them. We are here, the three of us, uh, before Katz goes to see his movie. Uh, 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 what was it, Batman? Is that what you're going to see, Katz? Is that... Uh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm totally joking. Uh, I can't hear you, Katz. You might already be uh, under uh, change your volume there. But yes, he's talking about Spider-Man, that. folks. Uh, I was joking about Batman just to make it sound like I have no idea who these superheroes are. There's another question here. What about Michael Carter? This is coming from one of our, our uh, viewers. What about Michael Carter versus the Dolphins D? I'm assuming that it's not a question of a, some kind of super flex where you can start Michael Carter or the Dolphins uh, defense. I think this is a case. And uh, I tell you what, I've got Michael Carter and I am torn because I saw some headline today that said, you know, Michael Carter ready to bust out or something like that against, against Miami. And I'm thinking, Oh, good. You know, that's that, that really feeds my ego as someone who traded for Carter. I want to hear that. But then I'm thinking, well, we don't know, right. Going back to what Tommy said, Tommy, what did you say near the beginning of the broadcast right now? There aren't any guarantees. Again, that's going to, I'm going to keep coming back to that. I'm going to, I'm Tommy's secret Santa this year at PFN and I'm going to send him some embroidered there are no guarantees. Um, uh, oven mitts, um, uh, maybe. I don't know. I haven't decided yet. Uh, but th- the key with Michael Carter is he is the best back in this backfield. Um, he can catch. He can run. He is a perfect fit for this offense. He can get 15, 20 fantasy points in this game. The problem is, again, when you take when you start a guy coming off a serious injury in his first game back, you don't know what you're going to get. And I'm not saying he's going to have a setback. I'm saying you don't know if he's going to get a full complement of snaps and usage, and that scares me. Uh, Cats, Tommy, thoughts? Uh, I think the big part of this, it's we look at what's going on with him and Tevin Coleman. I think that was an interesting thing to go back to. If you look at the games where he had Tevin Coleman in the lineup, it was RB 59, 24, 33, 24, 13, 29. And the games without Tevin Coleman, 7, 1, and 35. So we actually had a lot of success came when games without Tevin Coleman. Uh, from week 7 through 11, he was the RB7 in PPR scoring. Uh, I don't think we're going to get that. Like, I would love to have this type of matchup for him because I think it could be a decent one given the, the, the issues they're having on the perimeter right now um, just because guys are simply not being there. They're on IR. Um, so I like Carter, but I don't think he's going to get the – you know, the 17 to plus touches that they're talking yeah. about. I could see them kind of slowly working him back. Cause like I said, you have Telma Coleman still on this team. Now you can kind of rely on as your RB two. He's going to have like some, I would say most likely like low end RB two, high end RB three upside just in the matchup. But it's also one where I could see like the dolphins 
could get out ahead. And at that point, you're not going to be able to keep the rushing game intact. Right on. Cats, any other thoughts on Michael Carter? We'll move on to the next one. I, I like Michael Carter. I think he's talented. Dolphins allow the sixth fewest fantasy points to running backs, so the matchup isn't great. But I think if you have him, you're probably starting him. I know I this is kind of a point I bring up a lot, but but we're looking at a situation where so many players are injured or on the COVID list, and Carter is, as Tommy pointed out, he's kid. He was the overall RB one a couple weeks back. He's he has that type of upside. Even if he's just getting twelve to fourteen touches, he can probably give you low end RB two numbers with that with that level of volume. So I would trust Carter this week. The thing about injuries, and I know a lot of you listening and watching feel this because you've gone through it. They don't just uh, sap you of of points in those games where the player is out. You also lose momentum with those players, especially if they're not entrenched starters. Michael Carter is a rookie. He was picking up steam. He had a 30-point game, uh, which which I loved as someone who started him that week. I think he might have had an 18- or 20-point game thrown in there, too. He was picking up steam, and now that Tevin Coleman is a little more entrenched, Ty Johnson is a little more entrenched, there is this fear that they, they might just play out the season where Carter is getting 12 to 14 touches in, and, and getting you know 10 to 12 fantasy points. That happens with injured guys if they're not locked in. Like You know if Jonathan Taylor gets hurt for one game, he's coming back and he's getting – Don't you put confidence. that evil out there. I've, no. <laughs> don't you I, dare take I, him you're away getting from embroidered point. oven mitts, Tommy. It's it's the Tommy would trade those embroidered oven mitts for all the Jonathan Taylor Without for some question. for some for for you know randomly throwing out a player. Uh, fine, uh, 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 John Johnson. Uh, we'll just uh, do a regular name. And so, if John Johnson is the best uh, uh, fantasy running back and he plays for the Colts, for example, uh, then uh, if he gets hurt, you know he's coming back. But uh, someone else who is part of a tandem or part of a trio. Uh, you lose all that momentum when they come back, and it's a big deal. Let's uh, uh, James Robinson. James Robinson. How much do you trust him, guys? I, I trust him a ton, by the way. I think uh, a game script's going to favor him. I think the Jaguars are going to show that they don't need Urban Meyer as their head coach to win games, and I don't. I, I do mean that sarcastically, and I, I also don't. What are your thoughts on James Robinson? James, I Robinson. can't quite put my finger on it, but I feel like that Urban Meyer getting fired is probably going to have a good, uh, good impact on James Robinson. <laughs> Um, it's that whole thing of, look, they now have a point to prove and not just him, but I feel like this offense does trying to say, like, Hey, look, we are not the product of urban Meyer and we can now succeed beyond what he was doing to this team. The whole mess that was going on with the backfield with, you know, not playing him. No, it was a fumble. I don't control who's out there on the field. Just stop. Just stop. Like we remember when you had a high to scandal, you're the, then the professor of code of ethics and leadership. Like, give me a break. Like, no one trusts what he was saying anyway. The players didn't buy it. And so to have have him out of there, I think it's going to be a weight off their shoulder. And you end up getting Houston and what we thought was going to be the number one overall pick game back in week one. Uh, so for me, I love James Robbins. I think the matchup's great. The motivation's there. Um, I think he's going to get all the usage. For me, He, I've got him inside as an RB1. I think he jumps right back into what we were hoping he was going to be. I can understand trepidation regarding James Robinson, who has scored a combined 2.4 fantasy points over the past two weeks. But the Texans allow the fifth most fantasy points to running backs, and everything Tommy said is accurate. Urban Meyer is the stone worst coach in NFL history. It's not close, 
and he's gone and his team, his team knows this fact and they're going to prove to everybody that the players are good. It's the coach who was terrible. And Jacksonville's going to make a statement this week. I think James Robinson has a massive game. The 30 for 30 on, on urban Myers coaching career between his time at Florida and then at Ohio state and how that ended. And then how it goes to Jacksonville. Like that is just going to be absolutely, that's going to be must watch TV. Like I hope they make 30 episodes of that just so I can watch urban Meyer flounder around. I can't wait. A couple more things to throw out regarding James Robinson. I agree with both of you. Uh, as I said at the outset, um, his, his, he's still rushing well, like, He's got yes. 4.8 yards per carry on an awful in an awful offense uh, that shouldn't be awful, but is awful. Uh, and it, the problem is 12 rushing attempts per game instead of 17 last year. He's got 2.3 receptions per game versus 3.5 last year. It's not that James Robinson has taken a step back. It's that uh, the head coach has pulled him back uh, inexplicably. Uh, and what I find interesting also is that when the team is leading – uh, there's more rushes by the running backs, James Robinson and Carlos Hyde combined, obviously mostly Robinson, than there are passes or rushing attempts by Trevor Lawrence. So to repeat, when the Jaguars have been leading, which has not been much this season, they're going more to their running backs than they have to Trevor Lawrence. That is statistically accurate, and that is indicative of what we might see in a favorable matchup against the Texans this week. I think Robinson has the potential to be a top five running back. I would start him without question. In games um, where James Robinson had seen 12 or more carries, which was in seven games this year, he's averaging over 15 and a half carries, 80 rushing yards, and he has seven touchdowns overall. Throw on top of that, 2.8 receptions for almost 20 yards. That's 18.79 points, despite having Urban Meyer as your coach. Right. Probably going to be better this week against a team that ranks 29th against the run. And to add some uh, actual numbers to BJ's point, the Jaguars have the eighth highest uh, neutral to positive game script run rate in the NFL, which means that if the game is tied or if they are tr leading, only seven teams run the ball more than they do. So yes, if if they can maintain a lead, they will run the ball with James Robinson. So the three Those of us have given. I can put my finger on it. Say good job. The three of us have given you six reasons to start James Robinson this week, and uh, and while Katz is watching uh, Superman, uh, Tommy and I will come up with a few more. Uh, again, I want to thank Tommy Garrett. And Jason Katz, better known as Katz, uh, they are wonderful people and amazing analysts, and they spend all their lives uh, trying to figure out the right answers to questions that have not yet been asked about fantasy football. And it is remarkable. And uh, I'm along for the ride. Not really, but for the sake of the end of this podcast, I'll say yes. Uh, and uh, it has been a pleasure to be with you. We are, again, Pro Football Network. You can find us, profootballnetwork.com, on the fantasy page. Uh, we are uh, committed to uh, helping you win your league anywhere you find us, Facebook, Twitter, newsletter, website, phone call, whatever it takes. We'll see you next time.